This episode of Remnant Radio is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Kairos Classrooms. Have you ever thought about learning a biblical language as a supplemental tool in your biblical studies? Well, Kairos Classrooms offers real classroom environments with with classmates and a live instructor who can help teach you biblical languages, both Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. Uh, The price for a single semester is crazy affordable for anyone, so check out the links in the description and use promo code REMNANT to get 10% off Kairos Classrooms. Check out Kairos Classrooms today. Discount code R-E-M-N-A-N-T, REMNANT, to get 10% off your semester. Welcome to the wonderful world of Remnant Radio. In this program, Michael Miller's chewing on pretzels. And we've got an exciting program today talking about growing in the prophetic. Uh, It's going to be a great program. You guys stay tuned. You are watching The Remnant Radio, a show where we tackle history, theology, and the gifts of the Spirit. My name is Joshua Lewis. I'm the pastor of King's Fellowship in Ada, Oklahoma, together with my friends Michael Miller at Reclamation Church Denver and Michael Roundtree at Bridgeway Church OKC. We set aside time every week to discuss the gifts of the Spirit. Things like, how should we pray for the sick? And how do we interpret tongues? And should we believe all the prophetic words for the new year? If you're looking for a charismatic podcast with practitioners who are actually doing the stuff, this is the show for you. Guys, we've got a great program for you today. We're picking up where we left off last week, talking about growing in the prophetic. Uh, you don't really have to watch that episode to, to pick up the nuggets that are going to be in this episode. Uh, but if you've watched this episode and you want some more, you can always go check out last week's episode where we talk about uh, the five ways to grow in prophetic gifts. If you're out there and you're a heretic hunter and you're saying, what do you mean grow in the prophetic gifts? Being taught the prophetic gifts. What, do you, what meaneth this? Doesn't God give gifts? We would say yes and amen. God does give spiritual gifts and he gives them sovereignly. And yet we can still be trained and discipled in those gifts, like a pastor or teacher who gets the gift of pastor pastoring and teaching sovereignly by God, we still see God uh, using seminaries to train and equip pastors and teachers uh, in their respective gifts. Likewise, we see in the Old Testament, uh, there are schools of the prophet in 1st and 2nd Samuels and in 1st and 2nd Kings, and we we see some kind of instruction being given to the church uh, at Corinth on how to practice gifts, instruction, training, teaching on how to practice gifts that, one, equip the Christian and edify God. Uh, That's kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about growing in the prophetic being taught and trained in the prophetic. If you're wanting to grow and get trained in the prophetic, I would encourage you to check out the Word and Spirit School of Ministry. Links of that can be found in the description of the video. Uh, We have a ton of content that's up there, 117 videos. It's a 13-week intensive discipleship course where you grow in the spiritual gifts. And this Saturday is the last day to register. So if you're interested in growing in spiritual gifts, getting trained and discipled in that, I would check out that link below. Without further ado, I want to introduce you to my friends, my partners in crime. This is Michael Miller and Michael Roundtree. How are you guys doing? Doing good, man. Good. Not, not, not everyone at once. Miller uh, and the giant. Uh, show us the big bag of pretzels. That is the biggest bag of pretzels anyone has ever seen. If it says party size. So Miller has this so, thing, guys, yeah. where he eats right before the show up until the very last minute. Show us the pretzels. Correct. Uh, yeah. Well, look, it's Wednesday, and I'm busy on Wednesdays. Okay, I guess, and I don't have time to eat till now. So you're okay. welcome. You guys always get to join oh, me in my meal. It's true time. fellowship. Out, outcasting demons, just no time. Well, cool, man. So talking a little bit about prophecy, we're excited about it. Uh, to answer your question, Josh, we're doing good, doing good over here. Uh, I'm preaching one of the imprecatory psalms, uh, one of the harsher of the imprecatory psalms, Psalm 69, on Sunday, and uh, made a study guide 
for my church. I'm kind of excited to give to them. It's a lot of reflection and meditation I've been putting together this week. But uh, anyway, but also excited to talk about prophecy as always. So uh, yeah, Miller, you doing good over there in the basement? I got to unmute myself. I'm doing great, man. I'm excited. I'm excited. I got to I get to do a wedding uh, a week, not this weekend, but next. And it's one of the elders in our church who met the girl that he's marrying at our church. She was the first member of our church. So you guys know him, Ben Rutledge. He's getting married uh, in about a week and a half. So I'm, I'm just excited. It's one of those weddings where it's like, I'm so honored I get to conduct it. But then also one where everybody's just going to be so happy that the two of them are getting married because it was like obvious from all of us from day one. So we're doing awesome. as exciting as that is for me, I'm going to be in Breckenridge, Colorado next week, Michael. Mm. And I'm kind of bummed that, sorry, Mike, I'm like having a hard time operating cameras. Uh, uh, I'm bummed that I'm going to be up there in Denver and you're not going to hang out with me. I know. I know. <sighs> anyway, well, so let's talk about today's show. We're talking about growing uh, in the prophetic. Last week, we kind of covered a couple of areas that would help people grow in the prophetic, like I don't know, ask God, desire that gift, uh, pray, ask God to grow and expand your spiritual gift in that area. Uh, we discussed, uh, you know, reading the scriptures, filling yourself with God's written word um, before you attempt to get all these extra uh, revelatory words from God. We encourage people taking risk and, and testing everything that they get. Uh, today, we're going to be chatting about, uh, particularly, uh, this last point of getting discipled. Now, Michael, and Michael, I suppose both of you guys were discipled in a word and spirit church, uh, meaning that you guys, you know, hold the scriptures uh, of, of extremely high value, that you preach through the Bible. The meaning of the text is the meaning of your sermon, right? You're not using it as a springboard to jump into pop psychology and moral therapeutic deism, but you, you're, you're preaching God's word. But then you also practice the gifts of the spirit in these local churches that you were discipled in. Can you maybe... Um, Tell us a little about your journey and experience with that and how that helped form and fashion you to develop the gift of prophecy. Sure, I, I can go first. So, yeah, so I started believing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a church that didn't practice any of the gifts. And I was a closet charismatic for like a year, uh, having come to the conclusion that the gifts were for today. And uh, But when I made my transition, it was uh, Jack Deere's church. And a couple of things, there was really both like there was the prophetic community. So think not just like pastors and leaders, but peers, people who are practicing it. It was not uncommon at our church that you just come to church. Somebody might give you a prophetic word, sometimes from the stage, sometimes just somebody coming up to you. Uh, so there was a community of that. And then there was a mentorship. Both of those are really important. We see those throughout the scripture. You see, uh, for instance, uh, maybe you could count this, no, Numbers 11, Moses presiding over 70 elders who prophesy. Uh, you could go to Samuel, who's the head of a community of prophets for Samuel 10, for Samuel 19. Uh, you could go to both Elijah and Elisha. The scripture uses the language of the company of prophets, uh, in, uh, especially at the beginning part of 2 Kings. Uh, and so you see this repeatedly where uh, there's, there's a mentor and then there's a community. And you actually need both, just like in the Christian life. We need, uh, I mean, sheep need a shepherd, but they also need other sheep. We need both. But this is true specifically in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I found it to be incredibly helpful for me. Uh, first on the community side, um, man, I, I'll tell you. So like 
part of it was just the church was already thriving in that. And another part was I had a couple of friends who came from another church that was uh, really advanced in prophecy. And those couple of people came uh, and they worked with me. I was a youth pastor at the time within the youth group. And man, I just learned so much from them and they were challenging me. And, and uh, one of them, my friend, Jeremy, I remember going on like a, we went on like a, a ministry assignment in Wichita or uh, Wichita Falls. And we, it would be like, given all these assignments, like prophesy over someone with a red shirt, preach the gospel to a Muslim. I mean, like all this stuff, but it was, it was basically like Luke nine and 10 where the disciples are sent out, but they sent us to Wichita Falls. Uh, anyway, so I, I had like, that like really grew me in the prophetic. But then the other part was with Jack and my mentorship uh, with him. I'll, I'll explain more of that, but I want to actually pause and let, give Miller a chance to, because there, there's a lot that I could talk about with the Jack mentorship. And I want to give Miller a chance because he had the same mentorship that I did. So uh, Miller, you want to share a little bit about your experience in prophetic community and how that helped you grow? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I've said this before, but it's worth noting again. When it comes to prophecy, that was not my forte. Um, when I first started even believing in the gifts of the Spirit, um, the stuff I started seeing happen pretty uh, quickly were healings. Um, but the tough thing is I was I was very skeptical of even the healings I would see and would find some way to dismiss them. And so then when it came to prophecy, my introduction to it in many ways was Jack Deere's book, uh, Surprised by the Voice of God and the uh, beginner's guide to the gift of prophecy. And so in there, he lays out some pretty, you know, basic instructions and, you know, kind of a theology and framework for it as well. But I would just practice with friends and uh, we would, you know, just step out in faith and see what happens. I did it with my campaigners group when I was on Young Life staff. Um, and then when I finally you know, ended up at Wellspring Church where Michael was the youth pastor and Jack Deere was the pastor. Um, I mean, it was like drinking from a fire hose. I would go to the School of the Spirit thing that they did on Wednesday nights, which is really just kind of the same kind of content we produce on here. But the difference is, is they were giving you the information. They were then having people that were experienced in the prophetic, two of them being uh, the two people that Michael Rountree just mentioned. They came in for a conference. Uh, Jeremy and Rachel. And so I got to watch them demonstrate it and then watch them get asked questions. Like when, when the demonstration was really fruitful and something, you know, really powerful happened, um, they'd be like, how did you get that word? And then Jeremy and Rachel would then begin to describe what took place. And so seeing the mechanics of it, seeing how, what all was going through their mind, how were they were processing what they felt like they got when it was a vision and seeing some of the revelation interpretation application actually lived out in their experience, but also right in front of my own eyes. And then also going to the people that they prophesied to and, and saying, Hey, tell me, is there any way they could have known this information about you? Um, and so there was a lot of like that again, as a, as a, typically semi-skeptical person in general, uh, I had to go through those things. Like I had to ask all of those questions just to really make sure that what I was saying, and I just didn't want to be duped. I didn't want to be fooled, which many of you on the, in the chat, I'm sure can relate to. Um, and so then, uh, I spent a lot of time with Jeremy and Rachel. Uh, we would go out to restaurants and throw each other under the bus and say things like, Hey, my friend hears from God. Uh, would you like to know what, what he feels like God is saying? And then the person would literally have to go, Oh, God, please help me. Uh, and I mean, this was kind of foolish looking back on it, but but it, it was also a lot of fun. And, um, and we just always took it as very lighthearted and let's let's see what the Lord might do. 
And so that was kind of the beginning yeah. of it. So I haven't even dived into the discipleship component <laughs> of it. I'm just saying that yeah. this stuff has Miller, to be done I actually have a good story. I have a good story on that. Uh, this was uh, me and Scott. Uh, we Our mutual friend, Scott, uh, he... Uh, yeah. And Scott was a student at TCU and, uh, I was meeting him out just, we had a, I was discipling him and, uh, and I just said, Hey, let's see. I, we all, we were always competing. We're like, Hey, let's see who can get a prophetic word for this, uh, cashier first. And, uh, I, I will be the first to admit I lost, uh, he got the prophetic word first. And so we were at Smoothie King waiting in line. Young lady's name was Maria. And, uh, and Scott said, Hey, Maria, um, this might sound strange. Sometimes God speaks to me, but I felt like he said to me that you have like a, like a pain shooting up like this side of your head. He pointed to the side of your, of her head, uh, kind of up to her neck. And she's like, she's like, how did you know that? And, uh, and so he starts to tell her, uh, we both start just sharing the gospel manager overhears and instead of shutting us down, like you would maybe expect a manager to do, he invites us to his office and he says, Hey, I'll take the cash. I'll take the register. You guys just talk with her. <laughs> and so we ended up praying for her. Uh, she had pain in that moment and we prayed for her and it was completely gone. And, uh, and so she came to Christ in the office of a smoothie King. But that is a story of like the kind of thing we were doing all the time. I still do. I was out sharing the gospel with uh, my worship pastor yesterday. <laughs> I, I literally did that. I was like, hey, my friend Tyler, he hears from God. And uh, anyway, so we uh, we do that kind of thing all the time. We foster that kind of environment. Josh, what right, about you over is, there in the Pentecostal church? What was it like yeah, for you? Yeah, I was going to say I, this because this, this is something that we're all we all believed in. We believed that God could give you prophetic words. We believed that God uh, could use you to heal the sick. And I remember having um, classes that we were educated on, like how to pray for sick folks and, you know, uh, the biblical model of declaring healing, like that kind of thing, like, you know, rise and walk in the name of Jesus. And I, I remember having lessons on and tongues and interpretation. And it's funny, those are the things that we were pursuing. And those are the things that we saw. We saw preaching and teaching. We saw healing because those are the things that we were being trained and discipled in. Um, we saw a lot of people speak in tongues, um, not to say that everyone spoke in tongues, but those were the things that we emphasized and discipled. And those were the things that we ended up seeing. However, we, um, we haven't like in the, in the classical Pentecostal tradition that I was raised in, uh, the prophetic was almost viewed dangerously, like it was going to put a competition between the pastor and, you know, whoever the prophet was that was hearing from the Lord. Uh, and apparently there probably had, you know, there's probably been some experiences that painted uh, that view of that gift that, well, you know, if a prophet comes in here, they're going to tell me how, how to start leading the church and, and I'm the pastor, I'm the leader, they're not the leader. So it, it was clear that the gift of prophecy hadn't been defined and, and organized in such a way for it to edify and encourage the people and not to lord over and manipulate the pastors. So um, it was just viewed as a, as a gift that that was dangerous. And because of that, there was, I don't think any, any training that I can recall. Um, it's not to say that there wasn't in some of the circles, but, but certainly not any of that I was in. Um, and I think that you can see how valuing, you know, first Corinthians 12, is it 12 one that says that you don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts, right? Like, I don't want you to be, um, ignorant of these things. I want you actually to pursue these things. I want you to know how they work. I want to teach you and train you on these things. First, first Corinthians 12, I think it's one. 
tells us not to be ignorant. Um, so I think that out of ignorance, we didn't pursue it. And I didn't see that uh, gift exercised in my life until much later. And now at my current church, that's something that we're doing a lot of is we're bringing in voices once a month to come in and train on the prophetic. And I, I mean, I went out with you guys I went just, just last week to Anaheim and I got more prophetic words than I've ever had um, because we've created a space where we're constantly training in this gift and pushing ourselves to to make jumps in this. So yeah. um, Dude, I, I would say it's Josh, extremely fruitful I, to do those things. I, I've actually been, I was telling Josh this, really, um, I don't know, impressed, blessed, whatever the word is, just by Josh's growth in the prophetic. Because Josh, he used to say like, you know, I do the teaching thing. Uh, I could do this, that. But like prophecy was really not your thing. You, you'd pray for the but you'd sick. You'd take a because, back seat, man. Right. But yeah, he, yeah. man, I, I've seen Josh nailing uh, really for for months now, maybe maybe starting at our conference last spring, uh, but nailing words of knowledge for people. So word of knowledge, a divinely revealed fact about somebody's life uh, is how I understand it. And so I've seen Josh just nailing it, but it actually goes to show exactly what we're talking about. When you surround yourself with people who are going for it, uh, it, it grows you. This is true of it anything. I mean, you want to get good in a sport, surround yourself with people who are awesome at that sport, surround yourself with people who are better than you. And, uh, and so anyway, not Josh, not to say that I, Miller and I are quote better than you. I'm simply saying you've put yourself around a lot of people who are really, really prophetic. And I've seen you, you grow leaps and bounds. Well, the yeah, other thing, I, I would paid. agree with all of that. Josh, one thing you've also done is you've taken risk. And you've been willing to be wrong and look foolish. And I, I remember we did that conference together in Louisiana about, what was that, a, almost two years ago now? Maybe. I Probably think so. It was about two years ago. Yeah. And at that point, you were like, oh, no, no, don't throw me up there. And I'm like, well, this is what we came to do, bro. Let's do it. And uh, now you're doing it regularly, stepping out in faith. And um, I think it also goes to show, like, when you hang around other people that are willing to step out in faith and willing to look foolish, um, that also fosters like the reward is less about what you see happen and more about the risk itself and the willingness to put your reputation in God's hands. I think of the, uh, the proverb, uh, was it 1320 says walk with the wise and you will be wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. So who you spend your time with, that's super important. Um, whether it be somebody who's mentoring you or just the friendships that you have around you, um, being in community, practicing these things is going to be a major component on whether or not you grow. Well, I think for me, and, and you guys probably be able to weigh into this as well, you know, uh, when I'd gone to that church with you in Louisiana, you know, I was going to the village at the time, uh, and there was definitely moments that were, hey, one Saturday a month, we would kind of open up the floor for prayer, but there wasn't a ton of time for practice for me. I think pastoring my own local church, having speaking engagements where I'm trying to step out and then bringing other people in where we're learning from them, those have been the kind of supplemental things I think I needed. Um, we would always say that Sunday morning is not an opportunity uh, you know, to kind of do your swings in a mess in your practice, right? Like that's for the mature expression of those gifts. And when we were often invited to come and speak at conferences, I'm like, man, I, I don't know that I got a mature expression to be flexing at a conference. Um, not that any of this is flexing, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know that this is the right medium to be practicing this at this point. Uh, whereas I, I do think that if you surround yourself with good voices, you take regular risk, um, you know, there's, I think there's more opportunity for the Lord to grow you in these kinds of areas. So I'm super thankful um, that, you know, God hooked me up with you guys. And frankly, just doing Remnant Radio, we pulled in people from 
you know, all over to come in once a month and teach at Kings. Uh, and it's been super fruitful just because we've had these kinds of relationships. So, um, mm. you know, Roundtree, pick up where you kind of left off. You talked about Jack discipling you and mentoring you in the prophetic. Now, you also had other peers that were kind of, you know, an example that were kind of spurring you on. Could you maybe describe some more of that um, wherever you left off? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jack's influence was pivotal. I mean, because you you just don't really have even a grid uh, and you have so many questions when you're starting out. And it's like, I mean, I had years of basically infinite access to ask any question I wanted. And, and Jack was prophetic. He didn't usually do it from the stage. He sometimes did, but that was really because Jack was a trainer and equipper and it wasn't because he wasn't prophetic. I mean, I know of a time uh, like someone in our church was in an adulterous relationship and denying it. And so Jack asked the Lord the person's name and the Lord gave him the name. And it was a really weird name. Like I don't, I have never in my life met somebody named this. And he said, and he brought it up and it was just like, zang. It was right. I on. don't remember that. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know if I want to say the name here. Cause it's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People involved would know, but, um, Anyway, but just imagine the weirdest name you've ever heard. He got it, and it was right. Um, anyway, so um, Jack was really prophetic, and he had a really uh, strong healing gift, too. And uh, I mean, so it, it happened in a number of ways. I mean, one of the ways was Jack trained us in inner healing and deliverance, which really involves a lot of prophetic, a lot of hearing God. It was very not formulaic, but we would just sit with someone for hours and hear the Lord. We saw somebody, uh, somebody healed of like a, uh, gosh, I, I don't know. They're always changing the names of these things. I think it was like dissociative identity disorder. Um, but we, I mean, a profound healing. Uh, but just like, uh, just having him there to ask questions, traveling with him, and he would just give me tips along the way. Like I remember a time. Uh, he said, he said, Hey, don't just pray when you're in the meeting, pray in advance of the meeting, ask him to show you somebody who has, uh, you know, ask him to show you conditions and people that he's going to heal. Uh, I saw, a, I did that. I saw a picture of some of a particular woman holding up her right arm like this. And I saw nerve, uh, just, like her nerves just were kind of like firing up in the vision. Uh, I went to the meeting. I saw the person in my vision and I just said, Hey, I've, you know, I felt like the Lord showed me you had to describe the condition. She said, I have exactly that goes in, starts describing it. There were little things like that. And then I would say one of the big things Jack did was because I had never heard anyone say this, but I found it to be true to my experience. There, there was a season when I, I, I just felt like I was not hearing, I just wasn't hearing the Lord very much and not for other people. It and I felt like, man, did my prophetic gift just disappear? Like, what is going on? And uh, I was like, but I just, I'm not hearing anything. Like, what's what's happening? And and Jack just said, you know what? It's called being a human being. We go through seasons. Watch a baseball player. They, they'll go through a, a slump in hitting, and then they'll just be on fire. This is just part of like the human way. And um, and he said, God, when specifically with prophecy, he said, God is testing you to see if you'll be really hungry for this gift. Uh, so keep digging in. 
So having a mentor there like really encouraged me to keep pressing in. It was really important to, for me. I was not by that point. I was not just like prophesying. I was actually leading our prophetic teams, developing uh, developing teams and systems for training people, developing a culture in the church for the prophetic, and so on. And so like having somebody encourage me, I mean, when you're leading prophetic teams, you, you feel kind of crappy about yourself if you like aren't hearing God for months at a time. And that's what happened to me in that season. So his voice just really encouraged me, uh, in that. So that, that's how it worked for so, me. Miller, you oh, go ahead, Josh. No, I was just going to say, so Roundtree, you, you're saying, okay, um, I'd come into the prophetic, I'd try to get you know, uh, to get words and things like that. And these are the things that, that Jack would do. He would encourage me on the front end. He encouraged me on the back end. He'd coach me through this whole process. I guess I'm curious, like, what does that look like? Did you, you know, and, and maybe I'll toss this question over to Miller. Like, did you sit in home groups with Jack and okay, dial down and let's ask God to speak and, and like walk me through a process of that. Like what, if there's a pastor right now, or, you know, maybe a, a home group leader who's watching is like, I want to trade my home group in this stuff. How do I do it? Like, where do I start? Like what would what would an actual coaching in the prophetic look like actively? What would you be physically doing in one of those training meetings? Yeah. Uh, so one of the big things I would say that Jack did. I mean, I experienced exactly what Michael experienced. Uh, I could call up Jack at any point in time, say, "Hey, what do you think of this?" But uh, one of the biggest things that he did for both Michael and I and a number of other guys, like it, there was, it was in the home groups, it was everywhere. Um, was the number of opportunities he would create for ministry. It wasn't just prophetic. It was everything. Like we would go to church and then after church, Jack would find some guy who's got a nice size house and wants to host a bunch of people for lunch. And he would invite all the young people there. And, and so we'd all go there and eat lunch. And next thing you know, he's talking to a friend that I had brought with me to church, finds out that she has an incurable infirmity called Raynaud's. And he grabs the whole group together and says, Hey, everybody, I think it's a good time that we uh, pray for uh, Sarah. She's dealing with this particular infirmity. Um, so let's all just take a little time and, and pray and ask the Lord, what's the cause of this issue? So you can see, like, right off the bat, Jack was there just hanging out, having fun. And yet he found a need that somebody uh, had and just gave us instructions. Now, you know, let's let's all get together. Let's pray. Let's see if the Lord shows us anything. Um, right. And he and sure never... Enough, and Miller, I'm going to jump in for just a second and volley it back to you. But he almost never did ministry alone. Like no. so many people I know, they would hear about that and they'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll pray for them. But like it was so and he got this from Wimber because Wimber's big statement was everybody gets to play. And uh, and so he was constantly like, that's what he taught me. I mean, the only thing I do alone in ministry is write sermons. That's it. And uh, and so. I learned that from Jack. I, if somebody I needs you used prayer, GBT somebody's coming with me. It's becoming a training opportunity. <laughs> but go ahead, Josh or Miller. Uh, I was saying, uh, don't, don't you use ChatGBT to help you write your sermons, though? Don't you do it with someone? Uh, yeah, actually. Now, so it's not alone. I have a, an artificial intelligence friend <laughs> who helps me. He doesn't me. do that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, well, what, what else was I going to say about that? So, again, he created opportunities, and then he gave us practical instruction in the midst of it. So, And, and when, when Michael talks about access to Jack, let me just tell you how this played out with this particular story I had already started about the girl with Raynons. So one of the guys, now again, all of us are brand new to this stuff. Like we don't have a lot of experience. Michael probably had more experience than I did at this point in time. But um, one of the guys in the group says, yeah, I felt like 
I saw this picture of you as a little girl and you felt like you really disappointed your dad. Uh, is that, did that ever happen? Like there's this sort of standout moment. Now that seems kind of vague. I mean, I'm sure everybody at some point felt like they disappointed their dad, but when you hear what transpires next, it suddenly goes, okay, that's clearly the Lord. Because she says, yes, when I was a, a girl, I brought home a test uh, that I'd taken at an elementary school, like fifth or sixth grade. And my dad was irate because I got a B on the test. And so Jack says, Sarah, did you, did you make a vow never to disappoint your father again? And she starts to tear up and says, yes. And so even that, that idea like, oh, vows, those are things. I didn't even know that was a thing. And the fact that that guy had something vague, but it, it pertained particularly to a very important part in her life. But then here's where it gets even crazier. So we then walk her through some some prayers of inner healing, uh, renunciation of that vow, uh, and then uh, pray for healing of the Raynaud's, which is an incurable infirmity. Uh, I've said that once before. I'm saying it again. And she gets completely healed. So it shows that the prophetic word the guy got was exactly what we had asked for. Lord, show us what's the cause of this. And then Jack understood how to interpret that. And then we and prayed for her. Now, about a month later, and she was from Austin. I happened to be in Austin visiting some friends. And so I said, hey to Sarah, how you doing? And come over, hang out with us. And she comes over and says, my Raynaud's have come back. And so we're all like super disappointed. Like, man, what happened? Was there ever a healing to begin with? So I call up Jack and I said, hey, Jack, um, I'm talking to Sarah and here's what happened. And Jack just so matter of factly, he's like, oh yeah, it's no problem, Michael. She's probably allowed that perfectionism back into her life. You just need to have her pray again and, and the Lord will heal her. And that's exactly what we did. And that was exactly the outcome. But again, mm -hmm. having the access to him to ask that question, I would have just thought, and, man, you know, we missed it. We messed up. We didn't work and left it at yeah, that. And he would have a chapter and verse too. He would... Like, and I don't remember that specific conversation, but I would not be surprised if he quoted uh, John chapter five, where Jesus says, go and sin no more that nothing worse be, uh, may happen to you. Like he would just do those kind of things all the time. And that's what so helped was it was like he had the experience to say, oh yeah, no big deal. Uh, there was, and he also had the scripture. I mean, he's a theologian. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, so big deal. Uh, but guys, let me ask you this. Okay, go ahead, Miller. Well, I just did. I didn't want to leave this out. The other thing that Jack would do is every time Michael and I would travel with him, we would always hang out after the meeting. Like Jack, Jack actually wanted to spend time with us, and we would talk about how the words went, the you know the goods, the bads, things that we could have done better. And Jack would correct us, and uh, you know I would say sometimes he was overly harsh, but the fact was he actually cared about what we did, and so he would correct us. And he's apologized for being harsh. He recognizes that today too. But that was super important, don't you think, Michael? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like when Jesus sends out his disciples in Luke 10. He sends them out. They're casting out demons, healing the sick. They're doing all this stuff. But then there's a review time. They come back. Hey, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us. And he says, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you, but that your names are written in, uh, are written in heaven. In other words, don't rejoice in what you do for me, uh, what you do for God, but in what God has done for you. And it's, it's a little warning for them to not grow proud and to make their identity in their ministry, even though it is a worthy thing to celebrate the demons uh, are being cast out. But for them, you, there's just this little hint of, 
but it's it's because of me. They're subject to me. And uh, and so Jesus redirects them to have a God-centric focus. So Jack was doing Jack would do that kind of thing all the time. Yeah, I mean, Jack had <laughs> no problems correcting. That is definitely true. Uh, but he would encourage to. And and so, man, I found that to be indispensable. But I think here's the million dollar question because I think you know someone said, "Is there a Jack GPT? Jack GPT? <laughs> <laughs> Jack GPT? What good. do I do with this word?" <laughs> uh, but the the point is, most people don't have a Jack. Most people don't have a prophetic mentor. And even with the three of us, we have more people reaching out saying, "Hey, can you can you mentor me in the gifts that we can possibly handle?" And and so the question becomes, what does somebody do if they don't have a prophetic or a, a mentor in the gifts of the Spirit? What do they do if they don't have a community that practices the gifts of the Spirit? Like, they don't have these kinds of things we're talking about. Josh Miller, maybe we'll, we'll go to Josh because you haven't been talking for a while. Josh, what would you recommend? Like if they don't, they don't have a mentor? They don't have a mentor. They don't have this kind of community like what does somebody do if they don't have uh what we're talking about so i had a mentor who told me um people make time for what they love um and that's just kind of a a truism of all things i think it was probably in relationship to uh, the discipleship that he offered to our students um uh, my, my youth pastor at the time, who was my mentor, and I, I would still say in, in many ways probably still is, because uh, I still reach out to him and ask you know his thoughts on on various things. But um, Daniel, when he would disciple us, you know, some people, oh, I got to work, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got these different activities and responsibilities, uh, and he's like, okay, well, this is the time for discipleship. If you want to, if you want to come, this is the kind of time that I'm allotting for it, and and it included you know hanging out, it included you know the teaching and training and what you guys would call like an after action report or like a post processing after ministry time. It would include all of those things, but people who wouldn't attend that, um, you know, people will make time for what they love. And he wasn't going to, um, you know, bend over backwards and find ways to, um, disciple people who weren't going to make time in their schedule to be discipled. Uh, and I kind of feel that that's indicative of a lot of us. Um, we make time and we make room for the things that we love. And I think there are people who, you know, are going to, and I don't mean to attack anybody here. I'm really not trying to attack the body of Christ anyway, but they're going to what would be a spiritually dry and dead church and asking why they're not growing in the gifts. They're going to churches that um, distort and mishandle the words of scripture uh, and encourage people with kind of like uh, pithy, uh, you know, again, pop culture, you know, truisms that aren't uh, explicitly biblical and textual and scriptural, and they're not handling the Bible well. And they're like, why am I not becoming a student of God's word? Um, I think that a lot of us have just kind of aligned ourselves with kind of mediocre, um, mediocre version of Christianity, whether it be in preaching and teaching and or in the practice of spiritual gifts. And it's been that compromise that's been kind of reflective of our life. Um, I think some of us need to be going to different churches. Uh, I would say the, the answer to be discipled rightly is a local church. Now, some people are like, well, there's not one in my area. Well, your options are move plant um or or you know find another church down the road um i i think those are really the primary options that you have there are uh what i would call uh supplementary like ministries uh, i would say remnant radio has got an e-course you could do that you could go to our conferences now there are other ministries out there that provide conferences and trainings and those kinds of things like our friend ken who we, we taped an episode with the other day 
Ken's got Orbis Ministries, you know, his online app, his courses, you know, we, there are different ministries that you can kind of get trained up under. Uh, but realistically, if you want to uh, flourish in spiritual gifts, um, those are always just going to be supplemental. Uh, I think that you can get trained up in the gifts through courses and through through conferences. But realistically, if you don't have a place where you can plug in and practice those gifts regularly with the oversight of an elder who's there to govern and shepherd your soul, I just don't think you're going to be you're going to stay very fluent in that gift. It's like learning a foreign language. If you don't use it, you lose it. Um, and I feel like that's kind of the way that the gifts of the spirit work. You can get trained up in them, but but you need to be practicing them. And I think that requires a local church. Uh, Miller, would you have anything that you would disagree with that or add to that? No. I do think that people find themselves in situations where there's not other churches around and, you know, not other people around practicing. And one of the things I, I would always encourage people to do that I did early on is I would, I would show up to work and I would pray for my coworkers and say, Hey Lord, do you have anything you would show me about them? Um, so I was always, I was always trying to practice and just make that a normative part of my life. Um, you know, these days, a lot of my prayer time, I'm not necessarily interacting with, people on a daily basis because i'm pastoring I, I mean not showing up and seeing the same co-workers at work every day because i'm at a church plant i don't have any other co-workers uh, other than the people who volunteer people uh, meet with but um when i do meet with people i always try to pray and say lord can you show me something and especially when i'm going to other churches to do conferences like one of the things i'm doing right now uh for the the remnant radio conferences i've got a little reminder i just set yesterday in my phone to pray every day for the conference. And one of the things I'm specifically praying is the Lord would give uh, Michael, Josh, and myself, and other anybody else who's doing stage ministry words that would be uh, uh, undoubtedly God, that there's no way that we could know this information. There's nothing online. Uh, I just want to be so above board on that, that there's just no confusing it. So God willing, he'll give us those kind of prophetic words. But um, yeah, I would say practicing in the morning before you go to work, listening to the Lord for your friends, your loved ones. Another buddy who used to just do it on Facebook, he would get on uh, Facebook and pick a different person and say, Lord, would you show me something about them? And then send them a message. Hey, I, I know we haven't talked in a while, but here's, I was praying for you. And here's what I felt like God showed me. Does that mean anything? Um, again, it's risky, but it's a good way to practice. Hmm. Absolutely. And one of the things I'll do is uh, maybe I'm praying through my prayer list and I'll pray for, I'll just ask the Lord to speak to me for, uh, for people and, uh, and then text them a prophetic word, or I've made goals for myself. Like, okay, every time I go to church, I need to share a prophetic word with somebody or, um, when I'm out, when I'm out in public, I, uh, but Miller, I love what you said about praying about like whatever appointments that you have coming up, just wherever you're going to be. Because I, I think that's just like a great example of, uh, of just, I mean, even when we think of the prayer, Lord, let may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, you know, that, that prayer that Jesus teaches us, it's, uh, it, I, I mean, it, it can mean a lot of things. Your, may your kingdom come. It's like Jesus manifest your kingdom fully on the earth. So we're praying for the second coming, the return of Jesus. Uh, but one, uh, or, you know, another manifestation of that is like God's, like the gospel of the kingdom spreading around the earth. But, but one manifestation is just like in our own life, like, Lord, let your kingdom break out from me in every direction, wherever I go and whatever I'm doing today. I think that most people just live their lives and 
I love like how the Psalms, what David will say, like, I will awaken the dawn, like to wake up early, to seek the Lord, to ask the Lord to bless what you're doing and ask for a king, like kingdom breakout, prophetic healing, casting out demons, all the things just wherever you're going. Cause there are just constantly opportunities, but John chapter four, the harvest is white. We're just not looking for it. So uh, I think all of those are, are real huge. And then the other thing is I would just reemphasize what Josh said. And that is like moving to a place for a church is a good idea. Like people do not bat an eye at moving for a job. Why do they bat an eye at moving for a church? These days, people are so much more mobile with their work. It like doesn't matter for lots of jobs. Like you can work from wherever. Why not make a, a make more decisions based on like, I mean, like if you're living in a place with like terrible church options, then in my opinion, you need to either like plant something there or go somewhere where you can have a great church. And if, if neither of those are an option, well then, you know, you, you got to figure it out with God. But I'm just saying, I think it should be more of an option than people consider. No, I, I agree guys. Uh, let me, kind of shift our conversation and recap some of the things that we've talked about. We've said, okay, um, you need discipleship because discipleship one will help train you again, theologically on how to do the gifts. It will give you kind of a relational breadth and coaching on, Hey, you could do this better. Uh, maybe not deliver, you know, you, you guys have said this before. Sometimes if you get a picture, you need to ask God what the picture means. Cause the picture itself can be distracting to the person. They don't really understand or hear what you're saying. Start going through the rabbit trail of, I saw this and I asked the Lord what it meant. And I thought it was that. And, and you're kind of losing people along the way. And that coaching to kind of help you deliver the meaning of a prophetic word with not, maybe not all the packaging and, and pictures that coaching is necessary to kind of uh, polish up and get all the, the rough edges off of the, the kind of prophetic ministry that we're, we're practicing, that we're growing in, in the same way that someone is teaching and communicating the words of scripture, but but maybe you're saying uh too much in your sermon, and maybe, uh, you know, your illustration comes before the text of scripture, and it really should come after the text of scripture, so it doesn't look like you're distorting the text of scripture to make sense of your illustration. You know, those kinds of things, we're, we're kind of coaching to help smooth off the edges. So there's theological grounding, there's what, what I would consider kind of a, a prophetic coaching, uh, but what would you guys say of impartation? Like how important is impartation when it comes to prophetic ministry? Uh, I'm reminded of Paul, you know, I want to, you know, in Romans, I'm going to come to you and impart some spiritual gift and that we can mutually be encouraged by one another's faith. Uh, Paul tells Timothy, lays his hands on him and, and some gift of uh, the spirit is given to him through the laying on of his hands. And then another account where the elders laid hands on him um, and, and there's some kind of gift that he's supposed to fan into flame. So so how would you guys talk in terms of impartation? As word and spirit guys, we don't talk about impartation too much. Uh, I'm curious uh, what your thoughts are on that. Who wants to go first? Miller, I'll let you. <laughs> I think Josh... He knows where we stand on this because uh, we were all together in California last week and we had uh, Carol Wimber lay hands on us and pray for us for impartation. That was awesome. Uh, Bro, we had the custodian yeah. of the vineyard pray for us. Anyone who was even close to the vineyard, we were like, hey, <laughs> we you, did. once yeah. upon a time you heard a story about the vineyard, quick pray for us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think I think there's scriptural precedent. I'll, you quoted, you know, uh, Romans was at 112, 1 Timothy 4, 14, 2 Timothy 1, 6. Um, I think those all are good uh, biblical verses that explicitly talk about impartation of gifts. Um, 
and I think the the greatest impartation is just being with somebody who's already prayed for you to have that gift and, and learning from their experience and the way they've done things and watching them demonstrate it over and over again. Um, that really is to me that the greatest way to grow in something is watching somebody else do it. That's better than you. But um, uh, I, I can actually say there's a couple times where I, I've been imparted a gift. Um, I, on two occasions, I had a woman named Dolores Winder pray for me. If you, uh, you can read her book, it's called Jesus Set Me Free. And um, she prayed impartation for me. And I would say I saw the number and dramatic nature of healings uh, increase significantly. And I felt power. And I can't explain without sounding super weird, but um, yeah, just I felt power. Um, yeah, I felt it coming out of my hands. And then on another occasion, I had these prophetic people come in town uh, when back at Wellspring back in the day who said, hey, God wants to give you a new gift. And it was right after they said that. And I had been praying for several years now at that point to, to get words of knowledge. And it was right after that that Michael and I and a few others went to International House of Prayer um, just to kind of see what that was all about. It was our first time to go there and see what's going on there. And uh, next thing I know, I, I'm sitting outside the bookstore and everywhere I look, I'm reminded of people I know to the point where I would say, Hey, what's that person doing here? And then they would, uh, walk around or get closer and I'd go, Hey, that's, that's not that person. Um, but because of that, I, I started knowing people's names and occupations and prayers they prayed in secret and, um, infirmities they had in their body. And it was, it all started right after that couple told me, Hey, God wants to give you a new gift. And they prayed for me. And next thing you know, words of knowledge. Um, mm -hmm. And I'd say one more was the, the 2017 uh, when I had three particular dreams uh, all having to do with men of power, uh, one of them being the Lord himself in a dream. So hmm. after that, I saw a significant increase in power again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would say the same. I had... Uh, Jack pray over me in the early days for healing and prophetic before I were uh, leading his church. He prayed over me and uh, that was, it was more focused on teaching and I definitely saw an uptick in my teaching gift after that. Um, you know, one of the more special moments in my life was when I was appointed as the senior pastor of Bridgeway and um, Jack and Mike Bickle and John Piper all prayed over me and, uh, and kind of along with my elders, but that was really powerful. Um, I definitely felt a lot of power in that moment. Did my teaching gift get better? You know, could you do a before and after man? I don't know, but I believe in impartation. And I, I think for me, you know, someone asked in the chat, you know, is it okay to ask a mentor for impartation? Absolutely. Uh, one thing about Miller and I is we've been pretty aggressive in pursuing, uh, impartation, learning experiences with my staff. I call it being a lizard learner and not just a frog learner. Uh, you know, a frog just kind of sits there and waits for the fly to go by and then whip, sticks out the tongue, grabs the fly, but the lizard's kind of on the prowl. And so, uh, man, if, if you want to grow, you've got to be a lizard learner. And that includes 
Uh, that includes book learning, as Josh likes to call it, fancy book learning. Uh, it includes that, but it also includes just like finding the right people to learn from. Uh, you know, when I stepped into uh, my pastoral role, I, I, you know, it, I mean, every pastoral role, I, I've sought mentorship out, uh, s- seek to learn from people. I always want to learn. And, uh, and so when it comes to the gifts, you just, you've just got to seek it out and you can just ask, ask anybody. Uh, they might say no, but you can ask. And both Miller and I actually prayed that Jack would mentor us before we even knew Jack lived in Texas where we used to live. And, uh, and so God actually answered the prayer. So pray for it, pursue it. Impartation's real. Paul talks to Timothy about the gift that is in you through the laying on of my hands. Like it's all real. It's all there. And, uh, and I can think of marked moments in my life where, where God really impacted me and I believe grew my gifts in response to impartation. So, uh, so Josh, to kind of come back to you, like you said, sometimes it gets a little charismatic. Sometimes it gets a little, you know, maybe over the top, or at least you seem to imply that. Do you want to maybe expand on that when it comes to impartation? Because, you know, as conservative evangelicals who believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as Jack would say, um, you know, impartation can sometimes seem like a real Pentecostal kind of thing. Like, wh- why do you think that is? Um, well, I think that the, I grew up in services where the measure of a good service was if people fell over. So uh, in terms of impartation, what impartation looks like um, in my in my background oftentimes was I'm going to put my hands on you and if you fall over, then you got the ghost. And if you don't fall over, I'll just say receive it and sway you until you either fall or I get tired of pushing you around. Um, sorry, that was a little aggressive and not fair of all charismatics. Uh, I have been in prayer meetings where that was the uh, the outcome and or practice that took place. Uh, I think, though, I've, I've experienced things that would seem similar to what you guys have articulated through the laying on of hands. Um, but I would say that those... I like the way that Roundtree has articulated it in particular as it relates to mentorship, uh, that there's something special about a mentor praying for you and, and praying for an impartation rather than just an, a complete stranger. Um, you know, I say all that to say, well, I say all that and then I will contradict myself on the other end and say that there are people that I know you know, who are in Mozambique, Africa, uh, you know, people who like, I would think of Robbie Dawkins, I think of uh, uh, Heidi Baker, who I don't think have a deep relationship with the, the leadership staff at Anaheim, not Anaheim, the Toronto Blessing, but they had one moment, one impartation, and it changed their life forever. So I don't know. Um, uh, I think that some, the problem that I often have with the impartation culture uh, is that it, it makes the leadership often viewed as like the man of power for the hour. They're viewed as um, the mediator between God and man. If you want power from God, come to me, I'll give you power. And that's just a really concerning um, dynamic to look at your leaders as like, I will submit myself to them. I will learn from them in order to get a touch from God rather than looking at Jesus as the one who paid to give us the spirit um, and that he can then empower us through any agent within the body of Christ, not just viewed through these kinds of, you know, um, apostles and prophets. So yeah, um, anyway, I say all that to say that the, I would say that's probably my concern with the impartation world, but it's not to say that there's not a truism of impartation. Um, 
while there are abuses maybe on the other side. Is that is that helpful or answering yeah. that question? Yeah, it is. And I also think of this uh, comment by Tony Biondi, who is a is a faithful remnant watcher. Uh, enjoy your input, Tony. But um, here's what he said. He said, "I once stood in line, although this one this one sucks, but." Uh, I once stood in line and the guy tried to push me over and I wouldn't comply. Good job, Tony. He kept trying, but I stood my ground. So he grabbed my head in his hands and started to cast. Uh, All right. This is so giving like, me like a, a upchuck reflex. So I would just say like in situations where people start pushing you, I would just raise your voice to a, a, a hearable volume to everyone around you and say, please stop pushing me. And they'll stop pushing you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that is good. That is good. I promise oh it, my gosh. Honey, it works yeah. 100% of the time. The pushing is, it's, it's just bad. It needs to stop. If you're a pusher, you're watching this, just stop. Like God doesn't need your help. God is perfectly capable of knocking someone over if he wants to, just like he did when the, the soldiers arrested Jesus and he said, I am he, and they all went down to the ground. God can do it, but he doesn't need you to push. So anyway, sorry about that, Tony. That's terrible. And then, you know, just on a pastoral level, like, like I mean, with the casting out of demons, and I just want to say this, I'd recommend this to people because, you know, when you get into casting out of demons, sometimes people get a little crazy and over the top and they become like demon hunters and, and they start just casting out of casting demons out of people that maybe don't have a grid for it, don't want demons cast out them don't are, like are they're just not in that place and you're just like i cast this spirit out that i mean it's just very unpastoral we got to really respect people and you, you don't i mean even when it comes to healing prayer we like coach our teams ask permission to put your hand on someone's shoulder well how much more should you ask permission when you're like i cast the spirit of jezebel out of you like wait what like we just we got to be better than that. We we got to not just be pastoral and loving. I mean, the greatest command is love, love God. And then secondly, love people. The spiritual gifts are for love. First Corinthians 12 to 14, chapter 13, right in the middle of the love chapter. That's why we define a gift as empowered love. So if you're doing it in a way that's not loving, then this is just about you and your show. So I don't know, Josh. So when you talk about uh, some of the abuses, that's what I think of. It's like we've lost our way that it's, no longer about love it's about our show yeah i how okay so we've talked about teaching coaching impartation i guess this would be my last question and, and because we only have eight minutes do you learn more do you grow in the prophetic more when you're when you are the mentor when maybe you've got some knowledge but you've got a group of people who have nothing and you're like discipling them and training them in the gifts i'd be curious because i feel like that's probably a net a natural stage of development that so many people don't go through where they have received the teaching, but then there's a point where you actually become the teacher. And if you don't mature into that stage, it's like you never hit that, I don't know, that spiritual growth you know, place. I remember this with teaching and discipling. I think of this as a parent. You know, I received instruction my whole life. And I think that becoming a parent and instructing your children, like it matures you as an individual, as a parent. I'm curious if y'all's journey has been, as you've been discipling people, that final stage of the mentor process where you stop being the mentee, not that you ever stop you know, getting discipled, but that, that you become the discipler, does that develop your gift all the more? Miller? Yeah, uh, from, here's the thing. I, when I got into this stuff, I was always discipling. Um, 
and Roundtree can probably attest to this, but I always had, I, I was always taking what I learned and immediately bringing it to others to practice with them. And so part of my own learning process was continually bringing others along, just like I was being brought along. And, and I think that's kind of how it always is. Um, like, you know, I would still say there's, there's a lot of things I'm learning with the person, you know, you guys know this, I've, I've been trying to do some traveling with Ken fish because I feel like when it comes to deliverance and healing, he's seeing things happen that I'm not seeing. Um, I watched him pray for a guy with colon cancer and cast a demon out of the guy and the guy healed. I mean, it, it was, it was crazy. Um, his, and then his demon came out or the cancer was gone too. Both. It was, those were attached. Um, Praise God. So my, my point though is uh, I'm, I immediately came back from a trip to Germany with Ken where uh, one of the things he had people repent from was the consumption of blood. And, you know, that's a, a sketchy one, like scripturally, like I, I think people would have a hard time with that. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I was like, okay, take what I learned. And I immediately went back to some of the people in my church. I mentioned it as an example of a reason person might have, you know, a demonic digestive issue. And sure enough, somebody in my church had that very issue. And so I got to see it right then and there uh, in my own community. So I, I've always been taking like, what I've been learning spirit, and then immediately practicing cast out and healed. Home. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. And well, I think since you brought it up, we probably do have to dive into that one for just a hot minute. Um, Sorry, guys. So eating blood. I'm not saying you're, juice you're not steak. talking about like you're eating your steak rare. You're talking about no. something different. Uh, and hemoglobin and, what your, and what's the other globin? What's your... What's your Bible verse? Uh, I guess there's Acts Genesis 15. 6, Acts 15. Uh, it's, in, uh, it's in Deuteronomy, and it's also in Leviticus. Um, now, people will say that it's kosher dietary restriction, but I don't think so. It was forbidden before the giving of the kosher dietary restrictions, and, and it, it was seems to be given afterward. again in Acts 15. Mm -hmm. uh, it was forbidden after the Gentiles come into the faith. And again, I know there, there's different arguments for that. I'm not trying to make a definitive case on this particular show. I'm just trying to show you that at the end of the day, I was always taking what I learned and practiced it right afterwards. With That's people, right. So. That's right. Well, and man, so much of, of growing in the gifts, actually, it, it is like that. You learn because so, Ken, we just pre-recorded something for Labor Day. So you guys will hear this later. But um, but basically, he tells a story. I mean, a wild story about a dude who was playing violent video games and he cast a spirit out in relation to that. And he explained you know, biblically, his reasoning for that goes to Philippians He told that eight. demon, he said, get over here. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a few of you will recognize the Mortal Kombat Oh, yeah, reference. I know. It. So, <laughs> anyway, but Too man, soon. And, and just even the manifestation of it was crazy. But as Ken, if you remember, Josh, when Ken was describing that, he was like, okay, duly noted. People can get demons from that, you know? And so... Sometimes you're just learning from experience. And and so experience never can contradict the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. It's capital T truth. But there are lowercase t truths, right, all around us. I mean, the sky is blue. and I mean, you can name a million things that happen to be true. And that's true. Like, in, I mean, I would say in the gifts, you you just kind of discover things. And uh, and I'm not even making a comment about video game and all that. I'm simply saying that things happen, manifestations happen. I mean, for me, one of them was people throwing up when I cast demons out. And I was like, what, why are you doing Or see that? his like, face. 
yeah, I don't, I don't get that. Although right I did find in church history a quote from, I want to say Tertullian. I have to go dig it up again. Uh, I think Tertullian talking about people throwing up uh, when they had demons cast out. I was like, okay, so we didn't make this up. <laughs> like, it's been happening a long time. So you just, when you're experiencing stuff, you, you kind of have to find a grid for it. And I think that's okay. I mean, Paul experiences Jesus on the road to Damascus and he has to like rethink his grid, you know? So that happens. And, uh, and so experience doesn't trump scripture. It aligns with scripture, but experience matters. So anyway, that's a thought, <laughs> uh, guys, I, I think it's time to kind of close out the show. I think we're about the hour mark. Uh, Josh Miller, do you guys have any kind of closing thoughts for us to, to finish out with? Yeah. Don't, don't play the video games and don't eat the blood. Wow. <laughs> We're uh, here on Remnant Radio. We pride ourselves on being balanced and careful with the way we talk about things. <laughs> and then we ended on that note. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Uh, if you want to grow in spiritual gifts, man, I hope that some of this can be helpful to you, in particular, growing in the prophetic. Uh, we hope that, uh, you know, this YouTube channel can be supplemental and help encourage and edify and build you up. And, and our conferences can help challenge and edify and build you up and, and maybe activate you as, as Bethly as that sounds, impart some kind of knowledge and or teaching and or practice to you. Uh, and, and, and if you're interested in kind of having a more uh, discipleship-like relationship with someone who's proficient in the gifts, that's why we have small group leaders in our e-course. So if you're interested in, in growing in these things, we've created a couple of on-ramps for you when it comes to, you know, all of the interviews that we've done with guys who've written books on gifts of the Spirit here on YouTube. We have uh, conferences for people who just, you know, they want to go for a weekend to kind of get refreshed and trained and challenged. Or if you're looking for a, like a discipleship journey where you're like, I want to dive into this stuff and I want to become proficient in it. It's going to take some time. So we offer a 13-week course where it teaches you, you know, gifts of the Spirit and healing and tongues and prophecy and all these various things. If that's interesting to you, there's links for all of those things that can be found in the description of the video. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And we're always crowdfunded, so if you want to support the channel, you can do that with links in the description. We will see you next Monday and Wednesday. Blessings. want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there, you've ever wondered, hey, I wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies. Well, you need to check out Kairos Classrooms. They offer Greek and Hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you. It's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers, and they help teach you the biblical languages of Greek and Hebrew. And you need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description, and you can use the promo code REMNANT to get 10% off. These classes are already crazy affordable, but with the promo code REMNANT, R-E-M-N-A-N-T, you'll get 10% off of Kairos Classrooms. So check that out today. And thank you so much for Kairos for sponsoring this episode of REMNANT Radio.